0: Are you with me? Then let's dive in. Are you loyal to a fault? Are you one of those that's a yes gal every time someone asks you to do something? Do you find it difficult to put healthy boundaries around certain relationships and situations Well, you're going to really enjoy this show if that is you, or if you're in a codependent kind of situation, or maybe you don't realize you're in a codependent situation. This is Wendy Pett, and you are listening to the Visibly Fit Podcast where we talk about being fit, mind, body, spirit, and emotions. Uh, But relationships are a big key component to our health. And so today on the show, I have Courtney J. Berg, and she is the founder of Discover Your Worth, an online membership designed to support women with practical tools to break free from codependency while establishing a healthy boundary uh, practice. Through self-led video coursework and supplemental material, women from all over the world are finding this resource a key component to reclaiming their peace and setting down dysfunctional patterns of behavior for good. Courtney has an undergrad degree in psychology from the University of Florida, and she is currently pursuing her master's in evangelism and leadership with the Propel cohort at Wheaton College. She and her husband, Jim, live in South Florida with their four young children, and she has written her very first book. It's called Loyal to a Fault, um, Establishing New Patterns When Loving Others Has Left You Hurting. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome, Courtney, to the Visibly Fit podcast. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Yes, you're very welcome. This is um, a different kind of show. Um, I bring on all kinds of different guests, but you have a newly released book. So congratulations. I'm so excited for you it's called Loyal to a Fault, Establishing New Patterns When Loving Others Has Left You Hurting. So congratulations. We're going to talk all about just relationships and healthy boundaries and codependency, and all of that, and how it does play a role on your health. But let's talk first of all about who is Courtney, and and why <laughs> did you decide, or did, why did God push you uh, into writing this book?
1: Yes, thank you. Um, he did push me to write this
0: book. It's actually... <laughs> It's,
1: yes, it's been on my heart for a couple years. I actually started writing it long before I had a book deal. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to give this to friends. I'll self-publish. I'll do whatever it takes. But it definitely was one of those Things just a burden that was on my heart. I would think about it before bed. I would think about it in the shower. I'd think about it taking my kids to school, and so I just started writing, and um, that's primarily what I do. I'm I am a writer. I'm an author now. I'm a speaker. I speak about codependency and boundaries, um, but I'm also a, a wife and a mom. I've been married for ten years now, and we have four young children. We live in South Florida, um, and I I'm actually back in school. It sounds like I do a lot, but I'm very good at blocking out time. So. <laughs> yeah
0: i back in You must I'm be with four school. young children. You must be. I, yeah,
1: I have, a, I have a rhythm that I've um, figured out and it, it, I've had to fight for that. But it, um, yeah, and then I'm back in school. I go to um, Wheaton College in Illinois. I'm getting my master's there, which I just love, love, love. I'm in a cohort with 15 other women, and it's just brought me so much joy um, just learning alongside them. We're, we're studying the Old Testament right now, which I huh. have always kind of found a bit intimidating, and I'm, I'm finding a lot of pleasure in that. And I also have a women's membership where I help women heal from codependency and set boundaries. So that's, so that's cool. kind of all the hats that I wear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, but regarding you as an individual, you must have had um, an experience or two with issues with boundaries or codependency to even want you, you know, for this to be on your mind and heart all the time. So where did this start? And why has it been such a passion to help others get through this? Sure. Yeah. I
1: I did not know what codependency was. I didn't even know what a boundary was about 10 years ago. I just knew that I was anxious and I was going to bed, um, You know, fearful. I was um, suffering with, you know, shingles outbreaks and panic attacks. And my body was communicating a lot to me that I didn't quite have the, you know, insight into yet. Now, looking back, it makes all the sense in the world. But um, slowly, um, I was, and I'll also say, I was using drugs and alcohol to cope. And so I was like running from the discomfort that my body was sh- showing me and revealing to me. And, um, and so, you know, through the process of getting sober, I stumbled across this idea of codependency. And I thought, what is this? And I started reading about it. And um, I learned about boundaries. And I realized, wow, that is what I'm suffering with um, more than anything. And so I slowly started setting boundaries in my life and I was afraid because I kind of had that early conditioning that um, now I understand a lot of Christian women women have, which is, you know, we're meant to sacrifice and serve and honor and um, cater to the people we care about. That's an expression of our love. And I've learned that that's actually what was causing me the most suffering. And so the book that I've I've written um, really explains all of that. The journey towards boundaries, understanding what codependency is, what my role is what God asks me to do inside my relationships. And through that, I've found a ton of freedom. That's so
0: cool. And obviously how to heal if you've been in a a space of drama and trauma and in a place of uh, people pleasing and and having those unhealthy boundaries. So well, cool. Thanks for sharing. I want to just dive right into a few of the questions that um, can really help us kind of unpack a little bit more about, you know, boundaries and and that kind of thing. But the very first thing I want to ask is, um, why is it important to go back to maybe your childhood and really take an inventory of your conditioning? You talked about conditioning and beliefs and and the scripts that we inherit. And I mean, why is it important to do that? But also, why is it sometimes difficult for people to to move on based on those um, conditioning um, beliefs?
1: That's a, that's a great question. I, I was one of the, the women that also believed that we didn't really have to look back there, meaning my childhood, the environment I was raised in. Cause I thought, well, that, that was then, this is now. Pensed. And it really doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have a hold on me. I'm my own person and I swore not to do these certain things that my parents did. And then all of a sudden I was doing them. And I, that's when You're I, like, oh my gosh, I've become in, my mother. <laughs> yes. I mean, and we, and the reason being is because when we are, when we are growing up, we are in environments that are shaping who we are. Are, who we think we are in relationships in the world and um, so this conditioning is very very powerful so one of the first things I do inside my membership and and inside the book is I walk readers through what's called a family of origin inventory and we take a look at um, these certain patterns that that we inherit on how to you know love connect you know boundaries discipline faith what does health look like what does safety look like what are my values do I value what my parents valued? Is that something that I actually value? Or is it something that I've just now started doing? Um, and I remind people that, you know, it's not about casting blame or pointing fingers. It's really about collecting data. And we can't change what we're not aware of. So we have to acknowledge the patterns that are showing up in our relationships now in order for us to say, okay, I'm going to consciously shift this, or I'm going to let go of this and replace it with something that's, that's more God honoring. Or, or just more of true to who we are as people, um, because we tend to, um, a lot of the patterns that we don't like about ourselves are really just default patterns. They're coping skills that we've, like codependency, um, we, we utilize codependency because we've learned that if I give of myself in these certain ways, if I people please, or if I put what you need and feel and think first, then we can stay connected. Um, but it's a fear-based coping skill. And so, you know, doing, looking at your childhood is a great way of, hmm, what did I inherit here? What did I learn to believe? And then we can bring
0: forward all that matters and leave in the past really what doesn't. Oh my gosh, Courtney, that is so powerful um, because we are human beings that want to be a part of a, of a tribe. You know, we want to be a part of, of a family, this, this, We don't want to be left behind i mean rejection hurts and so um we do weird things to stay connected and so Mm -hmm. once you unravel that like you're saying it's it's freeing and just the fact that you're being so vulnerable and saying yeah i use drugs and alcohol to try to escape you look at the epidemic of different addictions that are happening in this country, whether it's drugs and alcohol or overspending or pornography or whatever that is, uh, the social media scroll, whatever it is, it is Mm -hmm. a coping mechanism. And so (laughs) to get beyond that and to finally find that freedom is is like something that's probably almost indescribable. So kudos to you. And thank you for writing this book. Now, you say Mm -hmm. in your book, Courtney, that when people are sinned against, they often use similar sin to cope, right? hurt Mm -hmm. hurt, breeds hurt, right? So can you explain what you mean a little bit more by that, especially in your own um, situation?
1: Yeah. So as I said, um, and what you just kind of touched on is that we all use these different things to cope, to deal with the discomfort. And it's typically a a point of avoidance and so, um, or distraction, Uh, because if we can distract from what's going on in us, you know, or what's going on around us, then we feel better temporarily. And so when I say that, you know, um, when people are sinned against, they use similar sin to cope, you know, part of my story is addiction, and it comes from a place of deprivation. And, you know, one of the unfortunate things that come from the original sin is this longing to be united with our creator and with each other. There was unity, there was shalom or peace. Um, everything was whole. And so when that peace was broken inside us, we carry that deprivation. Now, um, if we don't pay attention to that deprivation, we start to long for people or things to fill it. And so we see this sin being passed down through the generations, um, you know, whether it's addiction or, you know, workahol, you know, Workaholism, or you know, vanity, or anger, or um, you know, whatever it may be, we all cling to things that that give us that temporary relief, but never provide us that full satisfaction. And so, in the book I write about, you know, we all have this deprivation. Um, but if we utilize this deprivation and and it becomes a desperation for God, um, we can finally break free from that pattern of um you know returning to things and people that that don't serve us and and so again it goes back to that acknowledgement um because we love to be in control and if we believe that um that Jesus died if we believe in God and that he creates goodness out of things that are sometimes messy, we know we don't have to be in control. And so really just looking at that deprivation and saying, hmm, what can I actually do with this? And who can I turn to is important.
0: So good. Yeah, it's that surrender uh, Mm -hmm. of that control. I was looking up uh, a few scripture verses, and one that came to me was Psalm uh, 90, 12. And it just says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So if we really understood how short our life is, then we may fully like say, okay, I surrender and I'm moving on and going to get healthy for your glory, Lord. Mm-hmm. So uh, elaborate on what you mean when you say we can intentionally choose to be loyal to others. You, you talk about that a lot in your book without remaining loyal to their wounds. Like I underlined that because that's, that's mm-hmm. powerful without being uh, loyal to their wounds. Talk about that.
1: Right. I think um, as many of the women that I work with, you know, we think remaining loyal to people. And again, part of the reason why I wrote this book means to, you know, kind of submit ourselves to whatever it is that they're dealing with and to be just very passive to their struggles or their weaknesses. And um, we begin to confuse loving them well with like secret keeping or walking on eggshells or defending or denying harmful choices or behavior, but that's not love. That's not love. That's actually lying. And it's very self-serving because again, it keeps us connected to the people that we care about because part of setting boundaries in relationships is, is accepting the fact that this I may lose this person if I speak up. And so um, speaking hard truths and being really honest about um, the way God loves us as well, which is always, it's a partnership of grace and truth. You know, that is his love. And so I think women tend to fall into the category of being more gracious with their love. um, But slowly that evolves into codependency and people pleasing and being passive to very dysfunctional behavior. And so um, we can remain loyal to others. But I really find and you'll read this in the book that that starts often with a no. And I think that it's it's dismantling this, you know, secular view of well, in order to remain loyal to people. I have to, um, you know, kind of pretend like this, this horrible stuff that's happening isn't.
0: Right. That's so good. And it's it's that forgiveness piece, right? Like we can Mm -hmm. forgive them, but we don't have to forget what happened. But I want to kind of spin this for just a moment because that forgiveness piece or even that um, place of, um, I guess, boundaries even need to come with yourself, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can forgive yourself, from the past and what maybe you chose to do or not do. But what about the boundaries with yourself, you know, in that space? Yeah.
1: Boundaries, boundaries on self is what I say is the hardest boundary because, you know, we have to have that self-awareness. We have to restrain or hesitate, which is very hard. And so take, for example, um, you know, if you struggle with codependency, so you have a, you're unaware of what you need or feel because you're highly consumed with the needs and feelings and thoughts of others. And so you're behaving from a place of, you know, outwardly, outwardly focused on what everybody needs. And so if we, if we begin to think about, um, you know, breaking free from that pattern, we're going to have to start with a boundary on myself. And in the book, I share examples on how when I was learning how to break free from this, I literally had to sit on my hands. I mean, because I wanted to answer that call, or I wanted to respond to that text, or I wanted to offer help in areas that I wasn't being invited into. Um, I didn't know how to love people without playing that role in their life of fixer, rescuer, saver. and so. The, the, the way we change our behavior and the way we change our relationships often starts first by putting a boundary on ourselves, which the only person we're holding accountable is ourselves. And that is why it can be so difficult.
0: That's so good. And I especially think of like mothers with their children. Right. Like Mm -hmm. my my son's an adult now and I I have to sit on my hands and Mm -hmm. not text something back about something, you know, or, or, you know, reach out when maybe I shouldn't. And so I think that's maybe something that, you know, women especially have more of a tendency to struggle with uh, at times. But what. um why is setting boundaries so hard typically? And I mean, you're already talking about why it's necessary, but why, why does it seem so difficult? And what is one boundary we can start practicing right now today that is so doable that maybe it's just that sitting on your hands or saying the word no? Well, for many of us,
1: boundaries are so difficult because they weren't modeled to us. And so, you know, again, the women that I've written the book for, the women I work with in my membership are coming to me saying, I don't know why my life feels so chaotic and crazy, but I'm done being... I'm tired of my of myself. I'm tired of being tired. Where do I begin? And so boundaries are so difficult because it's often not a part of our wiring. So we have to then you know, challenge these old hidden beliefs about what it means to be a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister. We have to challenge that. We have to challenge what the world tells us, which is you need to be sacrificial. You need to be giving. You need to show up early and stay late. You know, we have to challenge that. Um, and so it's hard because uh, because it's not what we know. And if we look at brain science, we, we return to what we know because then we preserve energy. So our, our brain doesn't like, it's like a new habit. Our right. brain does not like to do this because it costs us energy.
0: You but if we look at the alternative, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you have to. It's just like working out or anything else. Like it's mm-hmm. very difficult at first until it's not. And so we have to implement these new strategies, these new systems in our relationships. And, you know, a, a boundary that we can practice right now is a simple no. And so I encourage readers to think of a time that they wanted to say no, but couldn't and if we look at underneath why they couldn't, couldn't it's or often be, couldn't or what exactly <laughs> there's often a, a belief that if i don't they'll be mad if i don't They'll be hurt. If I don't, they won't want me to do the thing with them. If I don't, I'm gonna lose something in this. There's always a payoff, you know. Mm-hmm. So so we think we're not saying no because we're being sacrificial and loving. The truth is we can't say no because it's very self-serving. We can control that narrative. And so we continue it because we can control it. And so that, that is a really hard practice is think about throughout your day an opportunity where you can say no with kindness and clarity um, and see what it brings up for you. Because if we start to unpack that, it will reveal a lot about how, how we're showing up in our relationships.
0: That's so powerful, and I would imagine that's just this kind of vicious cycle um, of, of what you're describing. Um, mm-hmm. So, would you encourage someone to journal as they're saying these no's and and the the feelings that bubble up? And maybe you know, if they're feeling anxious, the fact that they even said no, then that might be a really good indicator that there's more going Absolutely. underneath the surface. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, our feelings aren't in charge, but they're definitely
1: signals and indicators. And so, one of the exercises that I walk readers through is. Think about the last time you were asked to help somebody with something. What did you feel? And typically, if you struggle with some, some traits of codependency, you're going to feel excited because you're being needed in a way that you long to be needed in. You might feel resentful. So resentful, when I was doing my research, means to re-feel again and again. So you might be resentful that this person's asking you for help, even though they never help you because you never ask see how uh-huh. that works. Good one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Out of fear.
0: Or I mean, like out of fear, uh-huh.
1: right. Or you don't even know what you need help with. So that's, you know, a whole nother layer of it. You may feel just completely overwhelmed and bogged down, you know, and a, and a lot of the women that don't have boundaries are, are irritable. Like it comes out in anger. Mm-hmm. So we all have like a stress signature, but the most common tends to be, I'm just prickly all the time. Like I'm mad at you, my husband or my kids for uh, all this that I'm doing for you, Which you know, and takes it's on like, the
0: road to depression, you know, it's right yeah.
1: or, yeah. or just like, and, and, and then we're calling it love like, I'm running myself ragged <laughs> for you because I love you. Oh, it, it's such a twisted.
0: It, we are very mm-hmm. complicated, aren't we, Courtney? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the human. I do human think race. we
1: overcomplicate things. You know, we right. overcomplicate it, and and that's and that was the premise of the book. Is like, let me see what God says about this. Let mm-hmm. me see why He designed relationships. Let me see where the wires got crossed, and let me begin to kind of um, reverse engineer this for myself and for my children, because I didn't want them to have to, you know, suffer the consequence
0: of a mother that that lived boundaryless, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, Jesus is obviously the best example and he really understood healthy boundaries and he practiced them and, and it's displayed all throughout the Bible. Um, what are a couple scripture verses, or maybe even a story in the Bible that comes to mind for you that, um, you kind of share with the ladies that you work with?
1: I think one of the biggest stories that I return to for women who are struggling with setting boundaries early on in their relationships. So say they were raised in a childhood that didn't have any boundaries. Now they're an adult. Typically, they're married with a kid or two, and they're starting to realize that there's dysfunction in their family of origin, and they start setting boundaries. (coughs) Excuse me. And the family doesn't like it because now they're like the quote unquote black sheep, like they're doing something different, which can cause a lot of disruption in the dynamic that the family has always been run on. And so one of the stories that I like to return to um, that I, that I, dive into pretty deeply in the in the book about reconciliation is we long to be reconciled with people that we love. It's a natural part of our innate wiring. And I see it in my children when they get into an argument before anybody has figured out anything, they long to be back together. Like we want to be in relationship with each other. And so when we start setting boundaries and people withdraw from us or they disconnect from us, we long to be reconciled. But, one of the things that I share about is the book, or is the story of Joseph, and how, you know, he's sold into slavery. They try to kill him and all of that. And we know that he's built his way up and and his brothers come back. And on their return to him, they don't know who he is. But long before that, God has already provided for Joseph. and I love it because he's helped him forget, which is what he names one of his children, and he's made him fruitful, which is what he names another child. So Joseph has already forgotten. And has grown fruitful. Now that didn't come, that didn't come after the reconciliation with his brothers. It came long before. And so one of the things that I try to encourage the women that I, that I work with is that, is that your peace doesn't come from changed behavior on another person. You know, um, you know, that forgetfulness, the, the, the longings of blessings in our life that we all want doesn't come from what the other person is doing. It comes from what you're doing inside and your walk with the Lord. And so we might not ever reconcile with certain people. We may not, you know, but that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to establish really healthy boundaries in our lives.
0: Yeah. And to do your part, I think we might get hung up on the why. Like, why are they not, um, you know, wanting to talk to me anymore? Why are they treating me this way? And And the why in that fashion keeps them just kind of stuck in this stagnant place of, having to know the why before they change like they just feel like there's something wrong with them and maybe maybe there is you know there's some work to do they want to know that why before they can move
1: forward yeah i think that that's really um it's again that control and that practice of surrendering mm-hmm. we want to know why you could do this to me how you could do this to me um again going back to to the brain science we love to connect the dots and so if we can't complete a story we'll make up a story to complete it like we mm-hmm. just love that we like to seal close, move on. And we're not good with frayed edges or, you know, open-ended stories, but, um, you know, bringing it back to our faith, you know, we have to trust that God does create beauty from, from ashes and that he doesn't need us writing our story, you know, that it's all been planned out ahead of time, but that we just have to remain obedient to what he's calling us to do and who he's
0: calling us to be in our relationships. Love it. Wow. You were very well-spoken. This is good. I was just thinking about what you just said about how we will uh, create the story so we can kind of have the closure, right? And I wonder how many women are creating a story that isn't even reality. And it's, you know, kind of sitting there spinning in the back of their mind all the time. And it's not, yeah. you know, I would say a lot of <laughs> women mm-hmm. and men too, just to move on. And it that's interesting. Well, let's see, let's talk about um, parents. And Mm. let's talk about how we are to honor our parents and we'll have a long life, right? (laughs) One of the things that the Bible tells us. So how can you separate who you are from who uh, your parents need you to be or have told you that you are, especially if we're called to honor them in Scripture?
1: This is hard because when we are no longer a child, so as a child, we're meant to honor and be obedient to our parents. And this is for our protection, our provision. That is presumably that our parents are being obedient to God first. And so that's kind of the hierarchy and the design there. And so as we grow into adulthood and we mature, there should be a natural autonomy that happens, a separation from parents. And what what I find and what I hear from women that are struggling with, with boundaries with their parents is that they don't have that autonomy. And if we start to unpack why that is, it's because they're still trying to remain obedient Obedient to them. And the obedience piece no longer applies. We're actually not commanded by God as adults to remain obedient to to our parents. Um, And so I find that scripture can be used against, you know, Christians in that way because um, honor is not the same thing as obedience. And so we really have to be clear on what scripture says, uh, you know, and and children need to know that it's okay and necessary for them to be separate. Um, we fear separation because we think we're going to disconnect, but separation is extremely healthy for healthy connection. And so the, the having space Say
0: that again. is that was powerful and so
1: true. so separation is healthy for healthy connection. Like we <laughs> need space. And so in my book, I have a, a image, and there's like an unhealthy overlap. So we have two circles, and they're kind of like on top of each other. But then if we open them up a bit, and they're just slightly overlapping, we actually can enjoy each other more. I have my my life, my autonomy. I welcome you into parts of it. You have your life, your autonomy, your boundaries, your needs. You welcome me into a part of that. And now we have this mutual exchange of relationship now, but if we're on top of each other, if there's no space, suffocation. you can't actually be, con- yes, exactly. <laughs> it's suffocation, not connection. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's so good. I love everything you're saying to, Courtney. Well, one of the last things I wanna ask before our time is is closed and in we already this interview. Um we write a lot about living at peace with others, although this doesn't always mean reconciliation, we're just talking mm-hmm. about. But speak on that just a little bit um before we wrap up here.
1: Sure, yeah. So like I said with the story of Joseph, you know, we see that he's he was able to find peace long before he reconciled with his brothers, long before he knew that his little brother was safe and that his older brothers had changed and that, you know, he didn't have any promise in them, but he had a promise from God. And so I think when we, when we think about peace and it says, you know, um, in Romans, we are asked as far as it is possible, as far as it depends on us to live at peace with others. And so we have to do our part to reconcile with people. Now, in my book, I share that, you know, um, God is never going to ask you to leave him to find somebody else. And so we have to make sure that we're keeping God and his rightful throne, because we tend to put people there. And that's Mm -hmm. not, that's not going to work. And so, um, but, but, Peace doesn't come from that other person changing. It doesn't come from their forgiveness. It doesn't come from them, you know, their remorse. It comes from God. And so if we do our part and we're willing to reconcile and we're willing to um, extend forgiveness and ask for forgiveness, and 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 it doesn't happen, but we we can still live at peace knowing that and we choose. did our part mm-hmm. and choose. And um and, and know that we don't have to return to unhealthy people or patterns of behavior um, that we can continue taking personal responsibility to be god honoring in all of our ways um
0: you know because that's what that's our responsibility so good and what I've noticed just in my life as i'm Uh, Getting more and more mature in years is that when there is that void of someone in your life that God brings, I mean, he's just so gracious and so kind. He brings someone else that will uh, fulfill that role as a as a people group in your life. And it's like, Oh, that's what a blessing. Thank you, Lord. You know? And so be on the lookout for that situation too. Right.
1: He really, I'm so glad you touched on that because it feels like in the beginning when you're setting boundaries that it's very lonely and you're missing out on the people that you're used to having around you, whether it's friend groups or family or, and, and it can feel very lonely. And, but if you hang on long enough and if you trust Um, We look at Elijah, you know, he's like living near a ditch for the longest time and God's preparing him in that. Nothing is wasted. There's never a period of time where he's like, I've forgotten about you. I'm going to hold you over here for a while for no reason. And so when we're in those periods of feeling lonely, know that God is still pouring into you. He's bringing people your way that are going to grow you and love you and, you know, accept you. Um, And and so doing our part in those those moments that seem so quiet quiet and lonely and saying, you know what, God, I trust you, even in these even in these lonely moments that you're going to bring people into my life that don't replace the other people, but, but that add value um, to Help these areas grow. that I, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's so good. I am so excited for you, Courtney. I know that this book is going to bless so many people. Um, Thank you. Tell me a little bit about, I know you can go to CourtneyJBerg.com to find Mm -hmm. out more. Correct. And uh, you can order your book on, on that website and also Amazon, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. Amazon. I think it's at Bards and Noble. There's some smaller bookstores, Target. I think it's kind of wherever awesome. wherever you get books.
0: Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you for, for just persevering and writing this book that was on your mind and on your heart. And, and God is good. He will use that willing vessel. Uh, and that was you uh, <laughs> to get this message out. So God bless you. And thank you for thank you, um, Wendy. for sharing with us. Take care. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed this episode of Visibly Fit with our guest today, Courtney J. Berg. Make sure you check out her website, CourtneyJBerg.com, to find out more about her new book, Uh, Loyal to a Fault, Establishing New Patterns When Loving Others Has Left You Hurting. Uh, Please, please share this show with others if you feel like it would bless them and help them in any way. Thank you so much for leaving, hopefully, a five-star rating and a written review. That would be such a blessing. Thank you. And if you are looking for boundaries with yourself as it pertains to your health and your well-being, then go to wendypet.com. Let's connect. Let's work together. It's your time. Again, that's W-E-N-D-I-E-P-E-T-T dot and uh, let's get started. All right. Blessings, my friend, and we will catch you next time on Visibly Fit.